Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? My name is Jason Carty. My name is Stephen Cockcroft. And we are live on tape from Dublin. And we've done it. This is uh, our review episode of 2019. A whole season. A whole season. This is going to be a bit more relaxed and laid back than normal. Um, this is our last episode of 2019. It's our last episode of our first season as well. So we're going to tell you up front here that we're going to take a, a couple of weeks off and we'll be back in spring 2020. Um, but this is a kind of a laid back look at what it's been like in 2019 to, to be a Beatles fan. And hopefully you're listening to this on the day it goes out, Christmas Day. Happy Christmas, everyone. Uh, stop what you're doing. Listen to the podcast. If you're listening at some point in the future, we hope you're enjoying your what else would people be doing commute or your holidays yeah. or whatever you're doing. Yeah, this is a this is a Christmas time. But has 2019 been a good year to be a Beatles fan, Stephen? It's been an expensive year. Oh, well, as usual, I think every year is a good year to be a Beatles fan. That's yeah, a trick question. Um, but yeah, there's been a, there's been a lot of stuff there's going a, on. A lot of stuff out there. A lot of stuff happening. Yes, a lot of money spent. <laughs> well, I think we were spoiled in 2018 because mm. we had Egypt Station, the reemergence of Paul, and the Imagine box set, and the White Album box set, and the the, what else was there? There was loads of stuff last year. Uh, this year has been a little less. McCartney touring. McCartney tour. This is true. McCartney touring. Um, but what we thought we might do is just have a little look at all the bits and pieces that have happened in 2019 that have had a some kind of link to the Beatles and uh, just kind of yak about them and then uh, uh, see where we stand. I ho- hope my bank manager isn't listening. I hope so. You have can you can use your uh, your fake identity. <laughs> um, the one thing I'd say is uh, you told me back in January. You went to London for the 50th anniversary of the rooftop gig. Yes. But there was nothing really no, organised there was, there was nothing. There was nothing really official. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I went on one of those Beatles uh, walks. Oh, yes. Is um, that a Richard Porter? Richard Porter. He's a legend. He is a legend. Yes. He is a legend. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was, it was uh, very informative. I'd done that particular uh, tour, that particular walk a few years ago. Um, but when we, when we ended up in Savile Row, Row, where the gig was, the rooftop uh, there were, I would guess, maybe three, four hundred people. Yeah. And we stopped the traffic. <laughs> and uh, we, I, you know, we stood around waiting for the police to arrive and, and move us on, but, but they didn't. Nothing happened. Nobody but, appeared on the roof. You know, there were people uh, playing cover versions. There was a Canadian uh, television yeah. uh, uh, outfit, the camera crew yeah. there filming. There was someone, I gave an interview, I, I don't know whether it will come out, uh, <laughs> making a documentary. Yes. Um, I got to meet uh, Piers Hemmingson, who, oh, yes. who listeners may know, Canadian, had flown over. 
Um, he, he's got a great book about Beatles in Canada. Check out his website. Uh, but it was there was a really nice uh, kind of vibe about the whole thing. It was freezing, but yeah. we you know we all got our. Give you an idea of how cold it was the day the Beatles played. It, yeah, I mean, I, we were in the street, and yeah. uh, you know, but it was interesting because there were people kind of hanging out of office windows to see what the hell was going <laughs> on. It was. It's it's an Abercrombie and Finch now, isn't it? Fitch, the old Apple, yes, Abercrombie and Fitch. Pardon me, uh, uh, the old Apple offices. I'm down with the kids. And somebody has broken in. Somebody on Twitter showed the picture where they broke in, went up the fire escape, and made it to the roof after <laughs> a number of attempts, which was. Uh, well, I, I did try the year before. Yes. Uh, they were doing some work, and I went up to one of the workmen, and literally as I walked up, he said, "You can't get onto the roof." So, he, <laughs> and he he said, "We get twenty people a day." Uh, but what they did announce on that day, which is probably going to be the big mm. thing for 2020, is the the redo of Let It Be that people. Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff. And he made a fantastic World War yes. One documentary yes. last year where he put together all the footage and made it look contemporary, cleaned it up, spe- did speed correction. Yep. He's been given all the Let It Be slash get back footage and we're going to get something in 2020. So it's comparable to, to, to recasting World War One. Well, <laughs> yes, <laughs> to give us a new lens. And there's already been, uh, uh, one of the websites have been reporting on it where there's already a bit of revisionism. It's not as bad as we remember yeah, yeah. and we all were having a great time. Uh, we this were is great the thing, I mean, immediately people were going, oh, here we go. <laughs> it's okay. But again, uh, Mark Lewison mm. has sort of said, well, I, I, I've been listening yeah, he listened to, this, to the tapes, to, to the tapes. this year. Um, and he's, you know, wasn't as bad as all that. Yeah. And, and I've always sort of thought that, you know, if you and I have a massive ride today. It's going to happen. And uh, we record it. Yeah. And then we keep broadcasting it and we keep broadcasting it, yeah. you know. But, but most people have rise in their family with their friends and people aren't talking about it 50 years later. Yeah, I know. Um, I suppose the big thing this year for Beatles' point of view is the Abbey Road box. Yeah. And I don't want to go into the minutiae of the Abbey Road box. Uh, but let's say, broadly speaking, thumbs up or thumbs down on the Abbey Road box? I think box. Uh, thumbs up. Okay. Uh, less, less, perhaps, uh, comprehensively thumbs up than the White Album box. Well, then let's say out of the three boxes, my feeling out of the Sgt. Pepper box, the mm. White Album box, and the Abbey Road box, I know there's a bit of entitlement now where people yeah. expect there to be yes. a box. Whereas with Pepper, we were totally surprised. Yep. For Pepper, that's my favourite remix. I think it's an, a great remix. My favourite box is the White Album box. Yeah. Abbey Road would be my least favourite of the three. I, I think that's right. I mean, I think I'm giving it a thumbs up because I want it. Yep. Uh, I think it sounds great. I think I, I like the Giles Martin uh, remix. Um, uh, but it's probably the least interesting in terms of content and the least uh, sort of revealing. Yes. Uh, which I think is the pepper box. Yes, and I suppose it gives it just l- lets you know how efficient the whole Abbey Road recording process yeah. was. You yeah, know, yeah. that it's it's that six core weeks in the summer. They weren't faffing around for months like no. they were for the White Album. The White Album box, I still go back to. I've kind of listened to the Abbey Road box. I'm like, well, that's great. Uh, yes. But the White Album box, I still love to take out. And it has the bonus Esher stuff. It has lots going on. I don't box. think the Abbey Road box is something I'm going to be going back to a lot. I am curious to see if a Get Back, Let It Be box, what that encapsulates. How I, they make I, that work. I, I, I initially... I was very excited about the idea that, you know, the Peter Jackson movie and that there's going to be a lot of footage, there's going to be a lot of outtakes, there's yeah. going to be a fantastic box set. But then the Abbey Road... What I don't like is this idea that they they uh, they simply get outtakes and you know they put them in the same order as the running order of the album yeah. and you get one version of each yeah. and in the 
book that comes with the Abbey Road box set, they're kind of saying, but there's this other amazing outtake. Or you should have heard this version. And I'm thinking, do it or don't do it. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose we're spoiled by the Isha demos. But I, I, I'd be very annoyed if we get, uh, you know, 12 Let It Be outtakes, which are alternative versions of... But of, there is capacity for that. There's uh, so much stuff recorded. Yes, yes. Um, the other Beatles release just before Christmas was the singles box. Did you get that? I did pick up the singles box. You just couldn't. You just, I uh, just couldn't. Just I just couldn't. I have, so, I have so many versions. <laughs> of I have the cassette singles. I have the, uh, you know, 87 yeah. singles. Um, I, I, I took it out. I looked at the sleeves. I read the little book. I put it back in the box and I put it on the shelf. Yeah, I have not succumbed to it yet. I, there is a the Super Deluxe Edition website uh, Paul Sinclair the guy who runs that has put up an unboxing video and it does look nice of it's, the, it's very nice the but the content box. is just uh, you know you're, you're, you're getting it because it's a nice well, it thing does have, it's an object I know we did an episode on double A sides but it does have the best double A side in there of Free as a Bird Real Love yes as the bonus the, single the bon- <laughs> which uh, I would actually be like you haven't even listened to that to see I is even the new mix I no? don't know yeah I'm going to have to do that go sort that out and, and let us know yeah. so yeah the singles box it is physically a nice thing it does go well with the other boxes I, yeah. I personally personally don't understand the point of seven inch boxes you know I, I, I think the number one thing unless he, it's he said sitting in front of the even Christmas though there's a box Christmas set. box set hanging around here uh, 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 because, well of stuff that you can get on an album because you're kind yeah. of getting up and down and you yeah, know yeah. It's, they're, they're, they're nice physical things and they seem to have done a nice um, physical job of it recently but uh, yeah Abbey Road and the singles box have been the big 2019 Beatles things 2020 will be interesting individual Beatles wise um, it's all about Paul it's all about Paul he's we had the Egypt Station Traveller Edition Explorer Edition reissue which some people <laughs> wake up wake up Stephen <laughs> don't fall asleep I how many editions <laughs> of this album are there not enough um, I, I I love Egypt Station I, I liked I, I liked yes. Egypt Station, but yes. I like it less every time there's a new edition. Well, I'm going to say that I think the bonus, because uh, at the time, Egypt Station, I didn't buy it the week it came out. and uh, were, you, were you ill? <laughs> Housebound? The one I wanted in a very dull collector's way, I wanted to get the double, triple, trifle vinyl, double vinyl coloured thing, and it sold out. And uh, so I was like, oh, what do I buy now? So I ended up, I, 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 after a few weeks, I bought it on CD and mm. then I bought the triple vinyl. I did actually buy the new triple yeah. vinyl expanded edition because I think the bonus tracks that came out this year are great. This is, this is what I find really annoying. You know? Uh, the bonus tracks, particularly the, the, the recent uh, Black Friday, I really like those two tracks. Well, and Paul has closed out the year, yeah, with yeah. two new tracks that came out in November 2019. Uh, what are they called? In a Hurry and... Uh, uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I told you this was loose. But but but, but they're they're great. home tonight. Home tonight. They're they're two really good. Yes, catchy they tracks. Are excellent. And tracks. they are better than tracks that made the cut. They are from the but Egypt from Station the, sessions. But they're so from they could, the same yeah, sessions. Yeah. And this this for me, uh, it's the same. Uh, you know, th- he has form. Well, I have a theory. I think home tonight was left off because it covers the same ground as um, Come On to Me. Mm. Uh, it's like, hey, yeah. we're scoring, we're going home, yeah. we're, we're doing all that kind of Spit sexy granddad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, hey, the, granddad. Yes. Oh, well, that's on my list of Paul. Uh, of isms. course. But I think in a hurry with its kind of tempo change, mm. fake ending, it's great. That he should have, have dropped, been on. Drop that Brazilian track. Yeah, I like that. Caesar Rock could have dropped Caesar that. Caesar Rock. You yeah. know. Um, but you, I think, well, have we got something like seven, eight yeah. tracks from the Egypt station that have now come out yeah. have been drip fed because nothing for free was one of the bonus tracks yeah. that's a top song as well you but know? he's he's Frank tour- Sinatra's he, party but he's, he's touring yes so he's announced uh, dates for 2020, uh, for 2020. He, he had seven tracks or eight tracks 
that would have formed the core of a new album. Of a new album. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 it annoys me intensely when anyone does it, but I think I, I cannot off the top of my head think of another album where there are so many iterations. And I do think the massive months. edition with all the yeah. doohickeys, and I, I didn't, I couldn't be bothered. Your little suitcase? No way. You there's, don't want a little There's only so much space. Um, but the interesting thing, Frank Sinatra's party, I, uh, some, some other super fan had to point this out, it goes back to like a mid-70s uh, instrumental demo, mm. uh, which I, I found quite strange. But yeah, it's been busy in the world of Paul, he released his Hey Grand Dude children's book, so that's on a lot of Christmas lists. He supported Lyndon McCartney's photographic exhibition yep. and the re-release of Wild Prairie. Um, he got a gold blue Peter badge. Yay! Highlight of his career, I Highlight imagine. of his career. What didn't happen was we didn't get an archive collection, no. which is quite annoying. And the rumours are either it's going to be London Town Back to the Egg, and then that rumour seems to have switched to Flaming, Flaming Pie, Pie is the next archive collection. So that might be a 2020 thing to look forward to. And he re-released some live albums uh, on vinyl during the summer. But one of them was essentially a previously unreleased album, the Amoeba, the Amoeba Gig, Gig album. Yeah. And that's fantastic. It's a great. I have to say it is very, very good. Uh, it is very good. And uh, I... I you know, I know I'm, I'm Team George, but I, w- I went to see Paul in Las yes. Vegas. Now, you, this was very interesting. You went off and saw a couple of gigs in, in the States. Stones. Yep. Stones, uh, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. And you saw Paul in Vegas. Yeah. And your feedback from that I found really interesting. Because you're saying it's a totally different vibe. It's a totally different vibe. I mean, you and I went to see him in Liverpool, Liverpool in, in December 18. And I suppose... Like me, you were maybe thinking, hometown gig, this is going to be something absolutely yes. amazing. Uh, was, it was it was great. It was a great gig. It was a great gig. There were a couple of real kind of spine-tingling moments for me, and I think for you as well, it was from me to you. Yeah, it was amazing. Was this acoustic skiffly version, yep. which really, if if you, I said this to you at the time, you know, if you'd asked me before I went into the gig, which song is the most likely to kind of get the hair on the back of your neck standing up, it would, for me to you wouldn't have featured at all. Yeah, but there was just something about that. But anyway, what I what I found uh, in America, it was essentially the same uh, uh, set list. Yes, and it was in Las Vegas in the T-Mobile Arena, so similar to the the Echo Arena in in Liverpool. Liverpool. The difference was the uh, reaction of the audience. Yeah. So um, I was probably I was on the floor, uh, sitting at the floor seating, um, maybe about twenty or thirty rows back, and uh, that audience just adore mm. Paul McCartney. Yeah. In Liverpool, you know, people were chatting, people were going back and forward. We had drinks. a particularly obnoxious we, group of people in front of us really in Liverpool. Bad, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, but. In America, you know, I think in the UK, Paul has that slightly embarrassing uncle, uh, naff, you know, mullet guitar. Yeah, he's still a national up. treasure. But he's a national treasure, but there's a kind of cynicism or a, a, a kind of, yeah. uh, you know, they don't accord respect to national treasures particularly. In America, he is adored. Beatle Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he is Paul McCartney from the Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah. And when he did All My Loving. Yeah. Uh, you could just feel yeah. the adoration in the crowd. And it was a totally different. And yeah. I have to say, although it was the same set list, and I maybe didn't get the same buzz off from me to you as I did in Liverpool okay. because I was hearing it for the second time. Overall, the concert experience was just 
incredible. Side point, were the Stones good? The Stones were brilliant. Yeah. It was it was the second gig of their rescheduled oh, yes, yes, tour. Yeah. And I think they had something to, I mean, I've seen the Stones a dozen times yeah. in, more in, in, in 20 or 30 years. I, they, it was, they were as good as I ever saw them. Yeah, I, I saw them, the Dublin gig last yeah. year in 2018. I thought it was amazing. And but, I wasn't really expecting it to be as good as yeah. it was. No, it was sensational. But I, 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 I enjoyed McCartney better simply okay. because of the crowd. And if I could just say, I met a guy called Brad Verb, Verbe. Yeah. Uh, shout out to him if he's listening. Uh, he was there with his dad who printed the sleeves for the Beatles albums. Amazing. So uh, you meet all the best people at Paul <laughs> McCartney gig. And if we overlap into Ringo, because Paul ended the tour by bringing Ringo out on yes. stage, which he did in London. In London, uh, yeah. Just before Christmas 2018. The gig we didn't get to. The gig we didn't go to instead of going to Liverpool. <laughs> and uh, he brought Ringo out and was it uh, Helter Skelter they did? Uh, what was it? And uh, Get Back probably. Yeah, and it was. it's just amazing just Paul and Ringo uh, in this massive uh, I cannot imagine what it the reaction must be in America extraordinary yeah. to, to see the two of them together yeah. and you know they, they still got it but the other thing if we sidle on to Ringo's 2019 is he released a, a new album Yes What's My Name and Paul is on it and he Paul plays with him on a John Lennon song Grold With Me produced yeah. by Jack Douglas or um, uh, arranged arranged by, by Jack Douglas and it's lovely it is. It is. It's very nice. I, I have to say, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm. I like this album. Okay. Uh, it's a Ringo Starr album. You know, your expectations are it's it's a Ringo Starr album. It's yes. not going to change the world. But I have to say, uh, there are three or four songs that are excellent. Uh, you know, new songs. There's a there's a version of Money, yeah. the Barrett Strong uh, song that the Beatles covered on with the Beatles. It's a hilariously bit. funny because yeah. he's kind of he's auto tuned deliberately yeah, very you know yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a jokey song but there are a couple of great songs I like grow old with me I think I think it's maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity uh, in the sense that Paul is mixed so the vocals are mixed yeah. so low yeah it could be anybody or it could be no one yeah um, and maybe Paul insisted on that or maybe Ringo didn't want the yeah, kind of overshadowing things but, but thing, yeah. he he was trading a lot on the fact that. It's a John song. Paul's on it. I'm singing it. There's a little lift from George's Here Comes the Sun in a string arrangement. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I was expecting Paul to be a bit more present. The bass playing is excellent. It is, though. It it's is. really good. It's a really good bass line. Yeah. And he's, uh, you know, you just have to stop and think, oh, there's Paul playing bass on a Lennon composition. Yeah. You know, that yeah. is not a normal thing. Um, but what I, it seems like a dumb thing to say, I love it when Ringo plays the drums. Yes. I love it when he plays the drums. Yeah. And he's done two great bits of drumming this year, uh, which was he's on Jenny Lewis's album mm -hmm. and he plays uh, he plays on that and it's uh, it's he, he's absolutely fantastic. You know um, it's him. You do know it's him, you know. Even if he wasn't quite... It's going to roll yeah, the track yeah. and it's just fantastic. Um, but the other thing that popped up online was he plays on this version of the band's The Wait, yeah. which is this kind of international thing where people record their bits all around the world and Robbie Robertson's involved and Ringo kind of introduces it. And he just... It's sensational. It is fantastic. And that little Ringo swing, that little yep. lolloping thing that he does, suits the song down to the ground. It is. It it's is different. Brilliant. I mean, it's different from the, the, the Leave on Helm drum part on the original, but yeah. it's just perfect. Yes. And it, it's for, for, for all the kind of cast of people that are on that recording, 
Ringo is the one that stands out. And he popped up as well on Jimmy Fallon doing Yellow Submarine. So Jimmy Fallon does these clips where yeah. people play songs with children's instruments. I know who Jimmy Fallon is. I'm explaining it to the one person at home who doesn't know who Jimmy Fallon is. We've got a worldwide audience. I don't so. listen. I don't watch Jimmy Fallon, I'm obviously, sure but I know who you he is. You tape it for the next day. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the next generation. <laughs> but uh, he does these fantastic... Listen, the, the secret sauce in Jimmy Fallon's show is The Roots. The Roots mm. are an extraordinary... I have seen, I have seen it. It's very, it's uh, very funny. So Ringo I saw, does I saw Yellow the Who... Doing yes. it. Uh, yeah, that was excellent. And uh, uh, the but with uh, Ringo and the Roots and Jimmy Fallon do a very charming version of Yellow Submarine, and it's uh, it's just super that you know that's part of the consciousness. But yeah, Ringo drumming is the best, and yep. I wish throughout all his career he had just decided to not do the club singer stuff and just be yep. the greatest drummer that he is. Uh, but anyway, um, that's Ringo's 2019. Lennon, there wasn't much. There was a 50th anniversary release of the wedding album. Everybody's must-have release of the year. I'm going to be honest, I never listened to that album until this year. And it's it's good for what it is. It's very, very good. Did you listen to the whole of the John Yoko 20-minute? Yeah. Really? All the way through? Yeah. You're, you're excellent. Well done. <laughs> well done. You deserve, a, you deserve a gold I, I Blue Peter I, I, badge for but that. I, I kind of I think this... Uh, uh, this um, this podcast means I have to uh, yeah. do things like that. Well, I have it's like, to tick that uh, off my list. Well, it's, it's like I know that someday this podcast is going to force me to watch Give My Regards to Bob Yeah, that day is coming. So if you've, if you've, listened, coming, if you've listened to the wedding album, I suppose I can't really. Um, <laughs> what, what I would say about these, uh, it's secretly Canadian, is the... Uh, they do a great job. They, these these uh, uh, re- reissues of Yoko's catalogue, and this is sort of part of that, yeah. are just um, incredible. Yeah. It's Sean... Uh, Lennon is overseeing the the sort of remastering and the care and the attention uh, mm. to to detail on these is just phenomenal. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't be recommending the wedding album in terms of of, of audio content as the starting point, but uh, it's just a fantastic uh, package, uh, yeah. package uh, put together. And the only other real Lennon thing this year was the Imagine the raw studio version of Imagine that was in the box yeah. set from last year came yeah. out on vinyl for Record Store Day. Yes, That's just I I, I have to say I liked it. Yeah. Um, I, it was. I, I eventually ended up buying the the, the box set, oh, okay. and um, I just find it very difficult to find a way in. Mm. Um, just there's so much yes, of it. There is a lot on that. Uh, but I actually thought the Record Store Day LP was a very nice uh, sort of introductory. I have become a big fan in the last couple of years of these alternative versions yeah. of albums. The alternative Pepper on the two the two vinyl Pepper version. You know, when you want to listen to something new and the exact same at the same time, yeah, those alternate album versions. There's a great um, record store. They've done a great re- reorganizing of the Fleetwood Mac uh, catalogue as well. Mm. Uh, and then George Harrison's uh, 2019. If I could make the sound of crickets, I would. You know, you just dub pre- that pre- from pre- dub pre- that pre- from <laughs> Abbey Road. We can, we can. Yes, there's uh, on his website. I went to his website to see what was under the news. Um, section. There was three things. Uh, 50th anniversary of his demo session in 69, mm-hmm. the death of uh, racing legend Nicky Lauda, and the Here Comes the Sun video. There's no standalone George Harrison release. And we must be wondering whether 2020 is going to give us 50th anniversary George treats. Yes. You just, God, you, you just, just hope you, that's going to happen. You think all things must pass. You think is, is you know, he expressed a, a, a wish to kind of go back and strip yeah. that back yeah. and I think Early Takes is your favourite George Harrison I album. love that record it's brilliant uh, and I think it, that is that is a tantalising and incredibly frustrating glimpse a little tiny window into what must be a, a, a huge um, yeah. archive what I what I would also say is it's the Delaney and Bonnie 
Mm-hmm. Tour, oh, yeah, 50th anniversary. Uh, the, the 50th anniversary. And, and they gathered, I think it's five. I haven't got the box. I, I'm not sure I, I, I'd be prepared to, to, to listen to five identical uh, concert <laughs> with George on rhythm guitar in, in the background. But there's a, there's a little kind of, uh, I think, two CD box. Yes. Uh, that's the only other George content that I'm aware of. And then if we kind of go into the any other business part of the things, uh, there's been a couple of books. Uh, and in the end is a books. book. Books. Books. Beetle books. People, yeah. are, people are writing books. About <laughs> they suddenly should write a good book about the Beatles. Is there a market for that? Uh, I would say so. I, I've read And in the End, which is a good book. Ken McNabb, fantastic Fantastic book. book. Really enjoyable. And yep. what, I, what I like is it, it breaks 1969 down into month-by-month month chapters. And it works very well as a with the Beatles 66 book. It is. It's, it's a really... What I, what I liked about this book is is we, we, we know the story and we know how it ends. Yes. But he he makes a really compelling narrative yeah, across good. the year. It's a anybody hasn't got it, get it on your. Uh, I have to admit the other book I haven't read is Solid State. I don't know if you read that book yet. No, that's on my Christmas list. Okay, that's that's fine. Um, I, I'm saying that's on my Christmas. Oh, list. Oh, you're telling me that now. Yeah. Well, I have a surprise for you. <coughs> I don't. <laughs> um, but I think the thing we want to spend the next hour talking about is the movie Yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not. Have you seen Yesterday? No. I went to see Yesterday. You said you weren't going to see I it. I said I wasn't going to see it. I was the it. one that was enthusiastic and thinking, yeah, this yeah. will be great. And then yeah. I didn't go to see it. You did go to see it and you I, loved it. In fairness, I loved it. I enjoyed it. My brother rang me up and he'd gotten preview tickets. So we went uh, to see it. So it was free. Uh, yes. Ah. So it was worth every penny. And it is what it is. It's, it's you know, uh, the synopsis is it's written by um, Richard, Curtis. Richard Curtis. It's directed by Danny Boyle and it tells the story of a, uh, a busker who has an accident and the world has this kind of odd state of flux and when he wakes up after the accident, he, he's the only person who can remember the Beatles songs. He ends up in an episode of Goodnight Sweetheart. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and he rewrites all the songs and he becomes super famous on the back of it. And um, it's charming. It's interesting. The things I thought about were you know, I find it odd that the Beatles don't have a certain modern day cachet that Queen do or Abba yeah. do or ELO do in terms of their, their songs and their popularity. ELO? Yeah. Queen, Abba, ELO. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of how I see it. <sighs> but you know what I mean. Like, the, okay, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Uh, Fleetwood Mac then instead yeah. of ELO. That they have yeah. a... Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know what other band could have formed the cornerstone of that story. It kind of had to be I think it the has, Beatles. Yeah. And uh, what I, what, in the film's defence, I think Danny Boyle is a great director. He's made some great films and he is the saving grace of that film because I find whenever Richard Curtis directs his films, mm. they are maudlin dross. And uh, so he kind of keeps it tight and keeps it nipping along. It's but not it, a perfect film. But it's, a, it's, it, it's, it's not going into the serious, it, it, serious business of what would the wider world look like without the Beatles. Absolutely or not. How it, does is the a, muse, you know, it is a paper thin premise. I mean, I read an article where someone was saying, oh, but this is the music business does not work this way. And there's lots of yeah. people who are, you know, the premise is that these songs are so good in yeah. and of themselves that anybody could take them into the charts. And that's not the way. No. That, you know. And if you'd start picking it like that, it's, yeah. it, this is a movie it's to an watch. With your it's brain off when yeah. it's on ITV2 at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. You know, it's that kind of thing. Okay. And uh, so, no, there's one joke, there's one band that doesn't exist in the present day because the Beatles didn't exist. Okay. And that band is? ELO. O- Oasis. <laughs> That's the joke. Oh. Not ELO. You spoiled it for everyone. <laughs> Sorry. Well, there, and there is a... There, Mac. There is a, Mac. There is a scene which I won't spoil it, but it happens, you know, about three quarters of the way in. And that does make you think that scene. And uh, so, you know, but it's fine. It's a fine film, but it's, it's you know... Whatever. The other thing we've mentioned before that came out this year that I also want to give a thumbs up to is the McGear box set. Yes. Mike McGear's album uh, has been re-released 
uh, in a lovely two CD, one DVD clamshell box full of notes, full of music, full of tunes. It's, it's Paul's brother it, Mike with Paul and Wings making a fantastic, it is, crazy pop it, record it, it in 10cc studios. It, it is just sensational. Yeah, it is just thing. sensational. And um, someone uh, uh, said to me, you know, imagine, imagine if Mike had written all the lyrics for Paul's songs. That's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, I, and I think that might be a that might be something to discuss at more length in, in a future episode. What I wished because I, I went back to McGear this year when that came in, I listened to it a whole bunch of times. Is uh, I think I might have said this before, but I wished that it had been a thing Paul had done every yes. seven or eight years. Yeah, that there'd just be a McGear kind of the way he does the Fireman or whatever. That him and Mike would make a record and they could both lay their burdens down and just uh, do this kind of funky thing. This is this is yeah. This is it's, this is what I like so much about this. And if it, if it weren't <coughs> if it weren't that the Abbey Road box set had uh, yeah. had come out this year um, the McGear album I think would be my reissue of the year it's yeah. just it's just amazing uh, there's a really entertaining little DVD that comes with it with Mike he's uh, very dry sense of he sense has of humour very dry sense he has a really good attitude to the whole yeah. brother of Paul yeah. thing yeah. he's fantastic he, he's, he's obviously I mean he's yeah I can't, can't praise this album highly <clears throat> enough yeah. but if you draw a straight line from Red Rose Speedway to McCartney too, I think McGear sits right in the middle. Yeah. That it's where Paul, as you say, he's kind of free of the constraints of being Paul McCartney uh, and he can kind of cut loose in the studio. Yeah, there's a song giving Grease a ride on that album and I think it's, it, there's a direct line to that and, you know, Mr. H. Atom from yes, the McCartney yes. Two Sessions, they're the exact same yeah. version. They're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Outside of the Beatles, Stephen, I'm going to put you on the spot. Anything from 2019, like your favourite record, anything you'd listen to that you liked that you'd give a thumbs up to? No, I just listen to the Beatles. And, <laughs> and, 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 uh, I did get my Spotify thing this week and it said the artist you've listened to most this year is the Beatles and wow. this decade, the Beatles. And I was like, am I, think, I really that predictable? I think I, I I, I, I've lost track of time because we've been doing this, this, this uh, podcast. But did, did is negative capability by Marianne Faithful? That was last year. That your favorite album year. last year. Well, that was my favorite album for last year. That's still my favorite album. Okay, fair and enough. My favorite non Beatles album for the last album. two years has been Marianne Faithful. Anything Neg- old you found this year that you've anything liked? old? Um, I got a copy of uh, SF Sorrow by Pretty Things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which wasn't really an album that, that I knew much about. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that, that was a good, uh, a good rediscovery. Yeah, that's a good choice. And you? Uh, oh, thank you for asking. I would say... Uh, <laughs> You're down with the kids. I'm down with the kids. I really enjoyed the Vampire Weekend album this year. Mm-hmm. After they'd been away for a while, I, I do love Vampire Weekend. And I would say in terms of old stuff, in the last two or three months, I've had a sudden... Finally, after many nudgings from from you over the years, awakenings into King Crimson and how insanely good King Crimson yeah. are, and now it's you know the thing when you get into something and it just tips over into I yeah. need to listen to everything. So I've been going through well, all the King of, there's Crimson lots of stuff. Twenty eight and thirty CD oh, box sets. I don't know. I don't know how my at there yet. But they, they they gave away a few months ago in Mojo. They gave away yes. a free King Crimson. That was, that's a like very a good alternate compilation. Yeah. And that was the thing that finally, I put that on one day and I was like, wait a second. So, so it wasn't my endless recommendations. It wasn't you. And no, I mean, you, I'd ig- always, you were ignoring those and just went with. I'd always had a soft spot for like Kim, Crimson, you know, in the Court of the Crimson King and Red. But this, this thing was like, oh, I see the whole. I, well, I, get I, the saw, whole I, I, I saw them live uh, this year. 
Yes, and I now regret not going. And you told me to go, and I I did ask you to go. I know, I know. It was a great gig. It was a great. It was a. It was. It was an excellent. It was an excellent. Yeah, he's a fascinating man, Robert Fripp. So yes, and 2020, I suppose the things to look forward to are, I guess, some of the things we've talked about: the Get Back Let It Be project. Hopefully, some Paul McCartney archives. Hopefully, and all things must pass box. And I'm sure there'll be some curveballs as well. I really, I think, I think the Let It Be box set is potentially the the best release yeah. box set or potentially the, the most frustrating yes I agree you know. and it depends whether they bother to put the early versions of the Get Back album in there whether they how yeah. they're going to package the old film with the new film you know it's, all that kind of stuff it's the it's audio content the, 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 there's so much that was crammed in and some of it unlistenable yeah. but some of it is great that you've heard from bootlegs and you really just wish they, they get this right yeah I know um, now folks as we mentioned at the start of this episode we are this is going to be the last episode of season one of Nothing Is Real and our last episode of 2019 we are going to come back we're going to come back uh, in a couple of weeks' time in spring of 2020 and we're going to do another batch of shows and we'll tighten up the ship and we'll, you know, it'll be generally the same thing, maybe a few little tweaks here and there. Uh, we don't know. But there's a there's a couple of things we just want to say. First of all, we want to say thanks to everyone who's listened and everyone who's downloaded. But there's also another person. There's a, there's a third leg. There's a Brian Epstein. There's a George Martin behind all of this who, uh, who needs a bit of a, a shout out. Uh, and so on the wheels of steel producing all of this and editing it and putting the music on and, and making sure we don't sound like we're recorded in, a, in the back of a tin can is our producer Adrian Carty and we're, we're going to let Adrian come on mic hello Ado hello this is the first time it's well, okay this is fine this okay. is alright alright I won't overstep the mark right, uh, yeah don't, don't do anything but we, we did actually we, we decided Ado uh, to thank you for all your hard work we've brought you a present uh, for the Christmas season as we said we're, we're in here doing this episode live on Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Christmas Day. And <laughs> it's good that he's given up time. It is it very is. kind. Is uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, in this box? Bruce Springsteen is not in that box. No. He is he is not okay. that small. Um but uh, Edo is, uh, happens to be my cousin and has been very helpful in helping us put this whole enterprise very, together. Very patient. Very patient, because I don't think he even likes the Beatles. Well, I, I, <laughs> I'm aware of the Beatles. Who's your, I'm more aware who's of Who's your Be- favourite Beatle? Ringo. Of course. That's fair And enough. I'll tell you why, because you just touched on earlier on, that it's so, you said, it's so lovely to see Ringo play the drums. Yes, it's yeah. just so lovely, as yeah. if he's just... 
you know, yeah. have a little day out here for yourself, yeah. old Ringo, and just bash away in the drums. Yeah, he's that's kind of the thing. He's know? absolutely fantastic. So that's our gift to you. Lando Calrissian for but, listeners at home. Which is, if you recall on our Please, is there, Please is, Me is episode. Is there a quiz? <laughs> There's a quiz question. You get to keep it if you can answer the question. Well, on our Please Please Me episode, we pointed out that Billy D. Williams was the only person to oh, record. Oh, callback. Yes, callback. it's a callback. Very good. And Very good. Uh, that's the only time I can recall in any episode where you got in any way animated or excited because <laughs> we mentioned a Star, Star Wars. Wars reference. And he yes. is in the next one. Oh, which is, is the last one spoiler alert the Rise of Skywalker is going to be out next it's out already it's out, sorry, it's out already I haven't, it's now I, Christmas Day I've been so busy <laughs> watching you doing this yeah. that I haven't <laughs> had a chance. chance we haven't I haven't had a chance well, yet we will let you out of the studio uh, in order to, to go see the latest okay, Star Wars Christmas film. Day is my day to go to the cinema <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'll be doing uh, but we, we, we thank for all his uh, for all his hard work so thank you yeah, very much thank you thank you very much now you suggested that we solicit questions to round up the season solicit questions to solicit uh, well to ask for to uh, uh, to procure questions from our to get our, our, get our audience involved yes to do a little bit of um, the proceedings yeah. yes interactivity and two two people have written in <laughs> two people have written in one is uh, Annette Curtin excellent <laughs> hey. hey the old one um, no there is a lot of questions um, I suppose the easiest way to do this is a kind of a quick fire round Okay. Um, <coughs> now, for the listener, you have not seen these questions. No. You don't know what they are. Um, there's a couple of requests for your PIN number. That's I'll leave that up are to you, you guys. G- well, I don't really... Uh, you know. These are... Yeah, I wouldn't spend a lot of time answering these. Or you can if you want. Okay. Because there is a lot of them. Okay. Like 10 minutes a question? 15 <laughs> minutes a question. Okay. All right. And then I can edit it down to 30 seconds. That's <laughs> what usually happens. Um, so we'll go from the top. Somebody just taken from Facebook and Twitter and... Uh, Email and some questions I have of my own as well. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. So first one from Facebook is from Nick Morfit. Do you think Carnival of Light will ever get released? Uh, I hope not. I hope not too. It seems that it's going to eventually come out at some point, uh, but it will be the biggest anticlimax of all time. And the whole reason it's anyway interesting is because we haven't heard it. That's basically it. I think so. I think so. If you listen to the, the, some of the, uh, you know, messing around on the Christmas records, I think it's going to be something like that. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. So I... Let's hope not, but it will eventually. It'll eventually. Everything comes to pass, but not anytime soon, I don't think. Okay. Uh, how much do we really know about Paul apparently helping John and Yoko reconcile their relationship in '74 after the Pang affair? Well, this is this is this is part of the official uh, John and Yoko narrative. Is that uh, Paul met Yoko in New York and then flew out to LA and said, you know, if you want to get back together with Yoko, you're going to have to court her. And and uh, I, I I don't know. I think I. It's impossible to know. My sense is probably that it's overplayed. Mm. Um, I, I can't see Paul rocking up at Yoko's door uh, in in seventy three or seventy four and having that kind of heart to heart conversation. But, but we I, definitely I, I, have I, evidence that Paul was with yes, John at that time, yes. and the time there are parts in the timeline that do match up. Yes, but the timeline is there. I, I think it happened. I think something happened. But yes. I, I suspect mm. in in the official narrative, it's probably overplayed. What was in it for John? Or for sorry for Paul? Paul just wanted to, I think, be John's mate, and again, you know, he just. Mm. Uh, the irony is that that again in the in the official narrative is that it was John getting back with Yoko that effectively prevented John, John flying down to New Orleans to record with Paul uh, when Paul was doing Venus and Mars. Yes, so, so yeah. right there, on, there yeah. is a kind of flip side to that. Right, interesting. That's from Richard Tannehill Wood. Uh, Owen Ling says or asks McGear's hey, gorgeous Owen. work lyrically. 
could Paula benefit with Mike's words on his albums? Well, that's what we were we just, just saying a minute ago. So that must yeah, be this Owen who gave it. us so the idea. So I, I, I think that's that's just a fantastic alternative yeah, universe. Reality. Yeah, um, where he's working with McGee, with with Mike McGear as a lyricist. Yeah. I, I really think that uh, again, the McGear album, everybody should own it, um, and I think that that's probably worthy of further discussion at yeah. some point. Okay. David Chandler, House on Fire, hey one Dave. Beatles <laughs> album to grab on the way out. Which one? One Beatles album to grab? Yeah. I'm a pepper man to I'm my core. White album. Originals or reissues? Or oh, what? original, uh, original mono with the poster. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't mind. I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the 2017 version. That's fine. No, I, I, know, go, I go for the mini disc version myself. Of course. <laughs> mini disc, <laughs> mini disc is, yeah. Uh, Susanna Mararius, I think. I think it would be really interesting if one of the questions about your perception of the Beatles has changed over the years. And what are the main differences in your relationship with the band between when you became a fan and the present times? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think one of the interesting things is that that, that our age difference, I'm much older. You're not Jason. that much older. Um, so so they, there was still a possibility when I became a fan that they might get back together. So this was kind of the late 70s. Uh, it seemed very, very real. And I was absolutely obsessed with that notion. Mm. Um, so I suppose that was the big change. Um, I, I, and you go through phases. So where I stop listening to the Beatles, mm. because I don't really, I know the songs and I don't, but the whole sort of reissue um uh, program yes. has kind of changed again, and I'm 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 fascinated at getting those. Uh, yeah, I would say I like w- w- when I was a teenager in the late '80s, getting into the Beatles. They're just like the best, but it's all a retrospective mm. thing. It's a background thing, and then on the coattails of that, there was anthology, which kind of shook everything up again. But I probably stopped listening to the Beatles for about ten years, yeah. and it's only the reissues from 2009 onwards. Uh, with the fact that you know, as you get older, you might you tend to fall back on the stuff you like, or you might tend to listen to less new music and all that kind of stuff. But I found that the, you're going back in the last ten years, you're like this stuff. Uh, and I know I mentioned this before. You initially think, oh, I wasn't there at the time. That's a pity. But then you kind of realise going forward, actually, no, this constantly means a different thing as time passes, and a lot of art doesn't do that it kind of disappears uh, uh, yes I, find I ab- absolutely agree with that it changes uh, it, yeah. your perception changes so so to listen to this stuff and it's now 50 years out it kind of it's, it's almost kind of starting to stand on its own you know and it is this kind of they're going to end up being like these kind of Shakespeare figures of pop music but you made a good point earlier on that the Rolling Stones yeah they're still going and they're yeah. still releasing stuff and so on so you're, if the Beatles are still going yeah. your perception probably would have changed oh absolutely it's isolated in that kind of region I think of every music. Beatle fan knows it's bittersweet but mm. the best thing they ever did was go away mm. yeah. uh, and you kind of don't want to say that out loud but I think it's true well you've just recorded it as oh well. god is that thing on have we been recording all of these that's a disgrace <laughs> I, think, I think that's right if you, if you, if you look at, at, at those kind of key artists and the, 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 the you know I'm thinking particularly the Stones or someone like Neil Young. Yeah, uh, I, I always sort of think each album, each new album, sort of dilutes the the legacy mm-hmm. slightly. Whereas the Beatles, you've got yeah. that time capsule. And Neil Young in particular. Like, yeah, yeah. But I don't I mean, deny I'm, I'm anybody. A huge Neil Young fan, yeah. but mm. really, uh, you, you know, each nothing measures up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't deny anybody putting out those records. Like Neil Young is free to do what he wants, and he does do what he wants, and he's great. But. Uh, you know, he's 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 fighting against himself, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of questions, but I'll just put into one, I suppose. From Mike Tate, which producers got the best out of the Macca solo years? I think Greg Kirsten has done a fantastic job with Egypt Station. 
Uh, I think he's been a brilliant producer. And I know a lot of people love Chaos and Creation, and that's a great album. But you know it's a Nigel Godrich album. You know, it sounds like, you know, the way yeah. the drums sound on Beck's Sea Change and all that kind of stuff. It's And, you know, you know, like, Jeff Lynne gets all this grief for sounding like Jeff Lynne. Nigel Godrich sounds like Nigel Godrich as well, folks. Get used to it. So, but I find Greg Kirsten, he uh, brought in a kind of a very curious playfulness because Greg Kirsten's thing seems to me that he makes the band sounds like themselves. He works with Foo Fighters. They sound like Foo Fighters. He does his Birds and the Bee stuff, and that's great. Um, and so I thought, I thought he did a really, really good job uh, producing Paul on that record, I thought I thought I thought he was really great. Well, I, I obviously have to defer to Jason on all things Paul. But <laughs> I, I, I no, I think I would agree with that, and particularly the comments about Nigel Godrich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, very quick fire one here from Wayne Shields. What are your Beatles Desert Island discs and an mm-hmm. arbitrary number by Wayne? Eight songs each. Oh, so geez. let's not do eight songs each. Let's do three songs each. Okay, you start. Uh, here comes the sun. Okay. Oh, oh, I've t- oh, we're doing oh, it back and forth. <laughs> okay. Oh, I can like it. Uh, okay. It's uh, possible. Here comes the sun. Yeah. Uh, revolution. Okay. And uh, probably something off the White Album. Uh, I will. Okay. Uh, that's only because I'm giving a kind of equal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Paul George. Okay. I think I think I'd have to choose a day in the life. Uh, I might choose. Hey Jude, uh, I don't know. Maybe a curveball like the Ballad of John Yoko. I can't. Uh, I find this not hard a George to... song amongst them. No, that's totally on purpose. If I had to choose a George song, that's, that's tricky on the spot. That, that's mm. a really tricky on the spot. If I choose a George song again, I think I'd probably choose Long, Long, Long. Yeah, good Something choice. Like yeah. Good choice. Okay. Um, now we're not going to answer all these questions, but okay. you'll go back. Stephen will go back on Facebook and answer each one of these in detail. <laughs> I, I don't do Facebook. Uh, I'm yeah. Um, here's a lovely one from William Hinson. How have you grown as friends by making this podcast? Uh, well, have we? I didn't. I didn't like him then. <laughs> I don't like him now. Well, I, I can say as a as a, an impartial observer that we Stephen records this in a different studio. Yeah. Jason records a different studio, and then I yes. put it all together yeah, and make it sound seamless, like in the same room. But you're not in the same room. It is like the, It's like the Ebony and Ivory video. Yeah. it's very much like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, the whole podcast is a subtext for male friendship in the 21st yeah. century. Well, you are holding hands now. You can't, yeah. can't yeah. see this at home, but they're holding yeah. hands all the time. They hold hands every time. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's an odd, I have to say it's an odd thing because we kind of met through music, through the Word blog, yep. the Word magazine, uh, had a kind of face-to-face meetup in Dublin and we met then and we kind of then went to a gig together and yeah. then uh, I suppose it's the Beatles, the Dublin Beatles Festival. Yeah, kind of was the a, notion of this, and that has kind of elevated things. And now we're moving in together in <laughs> a kind of terrace house. It's like Morgan and Wise it's, living, it's, in, a, it's, living uh, in the same kitchen. It's um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is odd. And obviously, the, the the podcast, you're kind of there's a heightened version of your sense of self or your sense of talking or yeah. friendship and all the rest. So it's it's it's, it's been odd because we're not broadcasters. So it's been mm. a, it's but it's been a good experience. Yeah. you know, absolutely. Okay. Um, from Jerome Corby, as uh, another question for you uh-huh. more so um, is No More Lonely Nights the best song McCartney did post Beatles Poss- po- possibly um, it's my love is the best oh song. god no <laughs> no I think I think No More Lonely Nights is a fantastic song it's certainly the best song he's done post Beatles that he has never done live or that he's never gone back to or that he's never really acknowledged you know 
Uh, and uh, it's the only decent song on that Paul McCartney tribute album from a few years ago, The Art of McCartney, a group called Airborne Toxic Event, did a nice yes. string quartet version of No More Lonely Nights. Why, did, why hasn't he acknowledged it? Why doesn't he get back to it? It, it? it sort of came out in a period of time when he wasn't touring because he didn't really tour in the 80s. And uh, he just hasn't, he just it's, doesn't, there's, there's a bunch of songs he just never touches like. But it's associated perhaps with... With Give with, My Regard with, to Broad Street, with, which, which could be a, a problem. Failure. So right, I, right, I think right. there's a kind of psychological... But the other reason might be, it's really hard to sing. Hmm. And that might be a bit mundane, but actually if you go and listen to No More Lonely Nights, or even if you try and sing along with I'll it, take your word for it, it starts quite <laughs> low in the verses and then it goes up really high in the choruses. It's not an easy song to physically sing. Hmm. So that could be reason enough why he's never gone and near it. Dave Gilmore... Guitar Dave Gilmore plays a fantastic. You've got to replicate that. Yeah, live. that'd be tricky. Yeah. Okay. Um, Paul is dead. Oh, no, let's get again. Do you think? <coughs> no. Uh, uh, well, I think we can. Would you like? Would you have liked the Beatles to have carried on for a few more years, or are you glad they pulled the curtain down when they did? You've kind of answered. We've that kind of answered that already. James Cordell has answered. I, that I, one. I think maybe there was one, there was sorry. one more. I do think there was one more. You know, they you know, if you gone. look at if you look at those first run of solo albums and Ringo's, yeah. don't, it don't come easy. I would love it don't come easy. Yeah, to have been the last. And there's also Beatles number one, you know. Also, you, there there is there is form for '60s groups doing really good stuff right at the start of the '70s. Exile mm. on Main Street, Who's Next, The Kink stuff, you know. So you know, a good Beatles album in '71, '72. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think uh, you touched on that earlier. I think the fact that they have a little kind of uh, discreet yep. uh, uh, body of work, I, th- I think that's what's preserved the legend. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a couple of other kind of questions have been called from places. Um, Billie Eilish who you've talked about before yep. she recently got eviscerated by middle aged men that she didn't know who Van Halen yeah. is, was yeah. um, and people are outraged as they usually are with these type of stupid things um, I don't know why people want to die in that rock about Van Halen <laughs> but the Beatles I suppose culturally and musically um, they're always ubiquitous now if, cynically yep. you could say there's a great relevance to them keep them going from a commerce point of view yeah, but also because and we've talked about this, you guys have talked about it so much that within that very condensed years, few years they were together, they produced a lot of music and did yeah. a lot of work together. So if you ask Billie Eilish about the Beatles, she go, "I know who they are." Yeah. So well, what? It, what is it that still makes them culture relevant, apart they, from commerce? They have a sort of, uh, you know, they kind of have a. They're like a Rosetta Stone for like translating an awful lot of pop culture and music. You know, their 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 body of work. You can go back to it. I mean, just let me state for the record that Billie Eilish is ten times as good <laughs> the artist that Van Halen are. I would say, you know, I mm. think she's her stuff this year has been extraordinary. She did turn up. Uh, I don't know if you saw the footage of her playing Glastonbury this summer, summer 2019. She turned up wearing livery designed by Stella McCartney that's covered in uh, iconography from the Yellow Submarine cartoon. So she's very clearly yeah. knows who the Beatles are and is sticking her flag in Camp Beatles. And as I said, I think she's 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 been uh, a fantastic noise this year. Um, I mean, I thought it was an odd, that whole Van Halen thing, because Van Halen, you know... Really, you know, does anyone yeah. think about Van Halen that much anymore? No. Uh, I think they're well, I, the I, worst I, big band. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't really comment on her output because I sort of lost track after that song, "Nice Day for a White Wedding." That's but, not um, Billie Eilish. You, but, that's a terrible. Uh, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the Beatles. Why I think the Beatles is is uh, they they took all of the sort of. Uh, basic building blocks of rock and roll from sort of Little Richard and Elvis and uh, the, the kind of show tunes and things like that and and they they just changed everything so they took 
those influences and created something entirely new mm. in terms of the music, the songwriting, uh, the touring, the albums, whether it's artwork, lyrics on, on sleeves, all of those things. So, But everything that came after them, with a the possible exception, I suppose, of sort of electronic mm. uh, music, although they were starting to kind of dabble mm. in that. And if you listen to some of the stuff that John did with Yoko, and yeah. it, 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 it has that kind of electronic. But absolutely everything that comes after is influenced by what they... And it, it kind of feeds back to the things we were just saying a few minutes ago. You can you can listen to the Beatles in your teens and enjoy a certain version of the Beatles. And then you can come back to them in your 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever and you're, you're getting something else out of them. So certainly when I was listening to the Beatles as a teen, I was listening to, you know, Revolver Pepper White album Beatles. It took mm. a while for me to actually think that actually, please, please me, Hard Day's Night Beatles are fantastic. And now, you know, you might, you know, it's all Abbey Road is mm. quite popular mm. at the minute. So uh, the fact is that... Um, you know, depending on which way the light is falling on them, they're, they're yeah. about 10 different bands, if you want. I suppose to follow off that, kind of a, another question, I suppose. Um, because Elvis Presley, yeah. if he wasn't tied up making shit films yeah. for that decade, yeah. last decade of time, uh, you could argue that he'd be still making music and he'd be very prolific and the Beatles may not have had yeah. a, such a huge an impact as they did because there was a bit of a chasm, chasm? Cousin, <laughs> uh, left because of that. So, is that I, fair I, to say? I, I, th I think that is a fair comment because rock had had a sort of uh, peak and then had fallen away. So, mm. you, you know, Elvis is in the army and then he comes out and starts making the shit films. Uh, you know, Little Richard had a fine religion. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis was off, uh, you know, country music. And the charts were full of back into that sort of slightly anodyne mm. Music. So, so, so the, there was a there was a gap yeah. there, and and I I think there's something in that um, that there was this kind of first flush of rock that had mm. faded away and left the space yeah. uh, for them to move into. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think the thing I'd say about Elvis is you look through all history. There's one common denominator, and that is the manager, the agent, you yeah. know, the person they're with. And uh, all the great bands, you know, who've just got that little extra bit had people at the time who were really really good for them and again it comes back to Epstein being brilliant and Colonel Tom being the worst yeah. just yeah. the worst person yeah. period yeah. and he was out for himself yeah. always um, and I suppose there's no there's no denying the, the influence of the Beatles but you could argue and I've argued it's off mic yeah. in my, oh, I know my place um, <laughs> musically they didn't exactly push themselves I mean you could argue that they, you know towards the end they get a bit more experimental but <laughs> they had to jump across what? the table. What? Hang on, hang on. I have a point, I have a point. Um, but there was a lot of other bands around the same time or just a little bit after, yeah. like Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or, you know, Beach Boys. Or yes. Who, who kind of pushed it a lot more. There's a fantastic book called The Act You've Known For All These Years by Clinton Halen, which is which kind of looks at popular music in 67 and does kind of touch upon that uh, because you buy it thinking it's a Beatles book. And actually, it's a book or the subtext of the book is, you know what, in 67, it's Floyd and co who kind mm. of took the mantle yeah. and ran with it. And I, I, I think you could argue that, that people love to play this game of, well, who took over from the Beatles in terms of, you know, success and all the rest. And I think similarly to the Beatles, Floyd are kind of going the distance in a way that wasn't really obvious at the time. And you can also argue maybe Bowie has mm. kind of in the last 10 yeah. years has reemerged as something that he wasn't in the 90s or noughties. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're all fantastic. There doesn't have to be a, a winner. But, you and, know. Uh, yeah, I think, I, th I think 67 is the year. 
So, uh, I mean, I would say the Beatles are, are absolutely blazing a trail and everyone else is, is, is following what they're doing and picking up on what they're doing. You get to 67, you get Sgt. Pepper, which is this great kind of cultural event. And then it's almost as if a decision has to be made. <laughs> Do you stick with this uh, psychedelic production uh, studio and, and you've got these other bands, you've got The Move, you've got Pink Floyd, mm. who are really taking what the Beatles did in terms of psychedelic stuff and going off with that. Yeah. You've got the San Francisco bands, you've got these kind of jam bands emerging, like the Grateful Dead and stuff like that, you know, the Doors. Then you've got the stripped back, Dylan the is going stripped back. Yeah. Mm. So I think 67 is the year in which the Beatles and all of these bands yeah. have to make a decision. But it's also when you have this horrible division between you know, pop and rock, That's, you know, this kind yeah. of Rolling Stoneism of rock, which drives me crazy. I mean, my, my, my theory is that, that uh, Sgt. Pepper is really the last uh, sort of uh, cross-generational appeal of the Beatles. Mm. You know, up to that point, the mums, the dads, the kids, the grannies, are all, there's something there. And even on Sgt. Pepper, you've got, you know, When I'm 64, you've mm. got nice little songs, you've got the kind of weird stuff coming in by the time and we, we touched on this in, in an earlier episode Magical Mystery Cure is the, is the darker flip side of that yeah. uh, so I think Sgt. Pepper June 1967 is the peak of their cross-generational appeal after that mm. they've lost their initial audience who are going to listen to the monkeys and put their two albums at number one in 67 yeah. uh, the mums and dads are thinking whoa this is this is I am the walrus so like what's going on there the whole Magical Mystery Tour thing that's when the audience fractures. Yeah. And yes, it leads into this pop rock yeah. split. Yeah. yeah, That's interesting. And we were talking earlier on as well about um, about uh, Harry Nielsen. Yes. Like, I know you're going to do an episode of that at some stage, but, but that was musically yeah. just all over the place, but in a good way. Um, all right, a couple of last few quick fire round ones. Yoko broke with the Beatles? No. No. Okay. Um, George Harrison was a more sincere singer and is... Than Paul McCartney. No. Yes. yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Sincere. Yeah, I, Did yeah, you say sincere? I, I said sincere. Yeah. yeah. I think if you listen to, for me, and who I don't have a dog in this fight at all, <laughs> but if you listen to, for me, if you listen to All Things Must Pass, yeah, when he's singing that, it's funny, it's heartbreaking, it's warm, it's lovely. One of the reasons I like the early takes album so much is I I don't think George is overthinking his vocals. I mm. think sometimes his vocals are a bit. I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm 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 quite prepared to concede that of the three main vocalists in the Beatles, George is in at number three. I mean, he, he doesn't, you know, he has a, he, he doesn't have the strongest yes. voice, but I think in terms of the question is about sincerity and about what he puts into the music. Mm. I, I honestly don't think there's any question. Well, you know, we can get into a massive philosophical argument about who's being sincere. And I would argue that George doesn't need to be seen as being sincere because he's discussing spiritualistic stuff. Mm. Paul is also being sincere, but he's own, he's being sincere in his own plane. And his, well, his I think sincerity is to do with in terms of joy putting, and putting himself populism. Of, 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 I, I think you can get a picture of the man mm. George Harrison by listening to his music. I don't think you get that from Paul. There are there are mm. exceptions where he is, uh, you know, and when it, when they happen, like dear friend, yes, it's staggering yeah. because it's not what you expect um, you know because he's writing songs about engine drivers and uh, you know <laughs> he's yeah. writing songs about little stories about yeah. about Molly and you know Desmond and uh, you know you don't get that from from yeah. Harrison so I think the answer is yes so okay, let's move on the answer is yes as well even, <laughs> I, even though I think it's overshadowed because McCartney was more prolific yeah. and he just produced yeah, yeah. so much yeah great stuff <laughs> stuff <laughs> stuff uh, so, 
two more questions. Okay. So what did you set out to achieve with this podcast and well, have you achieved it? Oh, geez. We wanted to be rich beyond our wildest dreams. Yes. Check. Money. <laughs> money. <laughs> Send money now. I think it's been a total lark. I don't think, uh, and it's been very, uh, if I can try and get my George sincerity on, I've been amazed at how many thousands of people around the world have interacted with the podcast this year. And it's mm. been... Um, Really, really good. We just set out to do it for for fun to see what it would be, and uh, it's yeah, because I mean, what what I would say is this, this is this is all Jason's idea. So you know, <laughs> J- Jason, Jason said, you know, I, I you know I think it would be interesting to to do a podcast. I mean, I don't know what uh, my expectations were. I was maybe expecting, you know, that I knew there were at least half a dozen people. Yes, I knew that might listen to it for at least one or two episodes if we were lucky, and yeah. it, it 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 has been. Incredibly, kind of gratifying that oh, pe- people are yeah. engaging. People, there's there's been good feedback. People are saying nice things, are uh, leaving reviews, but also, on, I mean, on Facebook and on Twitter, that there is that kind of engagement. And you, we have people listening in Guatemala City. Yeah. We have people listening in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it, it's it's amazing. I, I didn't mm. expect a year ago that it would be all this, <laughs> Do you no. have like a Georgism. And uh, I suppose the, the big thing was uh, meeting and interviewing Mark Lewis and was just... Was that your uh, highlight for the whole thing? That was an absolute mind blower to think that that had happened. And he was he was amazing. He was fantastic. That was just an email sent out uh, on spec. He was going to be in Dublin and he was, you know, amazingly gracious and, and generous, and yeah, yeah. generous with his 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 time yeah. and, 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 and his patience yeah. and all his patience <laughs> and, uh, yeah as, as I have to say have, have you thank you <laughs> and, for, and just back to the money that's resting in Jason's account because it was yeah. his yeah, idea yeah, well, it's, it's, all, it's, okay. yeah. it's all in traveller's checks so it's amazing how much money 31st of December I'll be issuing a written pointing a receiver Mattress Mick will be one of our sponsors I think so I think there's only one other question that I have I suppose um, is what other band oh. comes close to the Beatles? Because it could be framed as if you weren't doing a podcast with Beatles, what would you do about it? It's really hard. I have actually thought about this, and a lot of it's really hard because the Beatles have the socio-cultural kind of thing that you can dive into as well, uh, and we we have a lot of historical information that you can dive into. So there's not really a many other acts that you can pull that information together on, or that it would be even particularly interesting I don't think you know No I mean I, you, you know as, as you might imagine we spent a lot of time listening to outtakes or hmm. different versions of studio chat I'm, I'm not interested in outtakes of the Rolling Stones or the Who yeah. or the you know the Kinks or uh, yeah, I, that's my own Well I think, the, I think the person who comes close is Dylan Is Dylan Yeah and I don't know 1% uh, as much about Dylan as I would need to, to run a Dylan podcast and I know there are some excellent Dylan podcasts out there but he's certainly someone who does have a you know, he's woven into the cultural fabric and he's got copious alternate dimensions that you can kind of explore. But I couldn't do a Dylan podcast. The, the type of artists I could talk about for an hour unscripted are probably, yeah. uh, you know, Elvis Costello or the Monkees or, uh, you know, Jeff. <laughs> and uh, there's a handful of others, but I, I, I don't think they would, they I, would be, mm, you'd be able to do it the way you I, do I it agree with that. I mean, you could pick any band and do a, a podcast about, you know, album reviews. But I, th- I think Dylan... Is is probably the only one that comes close, and he doesn't have the commercial hmm. impact. And and I think arguably, and I know various people, Lucas Hare that run, Kerry Shale that run the Is It Rolling uh, podcast, Bob, which, podcast which is, which is podcast. an excellent uh, Dylan podcast, uh, will will probably not speak to me for saying it, but I don't think he has the cultural impact. 
uh, the Beatles, certainly well, in terms of, of global reach. Well, the thing I love about the Beatles is that they were so huge. Like, they sold so many records. And we have this thing in nowadays where if something's popular, you're, you're kind of programmed to think it's a bit crappy. Mm. And the Beatles did not meet that model. And it's, it's something that really hasn't been matched much elsewhere. You know, that they were hugely popular with young and old and, and they sold millions and millions of records. They were number one. They're still number one. Like, Abbey Road went to number one after 50 years this year. Um huge numbers and but they don't meet the I, I understand why people might be it's tired not, of the it's Beatles it's not disposable but it's not disposable and it's not rubbish it's, re, it's really good high art and it's massively popular mm. and that is a really weird it's, two things they, they, they are often not side by side those yeah. two things I think it's more often the case that quality and popularity do not yeah Kind of Bowie. I know it's probably a, for Bowie. Bowie was Bowie, there as well, and, and you probably could talk seventies Bowie. You could mm. look at you know cultural legacy and what he did and all the rest. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about in Bowie as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know where where you do get like something that sells a lot that is actually really good and stands the test of time. It's that that is curious. And then you know it, that whole notion of like the Who have just put out their twelfth album mm. this month in December 2019. The Beatles did 12 albums by 69, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's it's the notion that it was basically seven acute years. Like, it's it's ridiculous mm. to think, you know, I you know I have a thing sitting on my TV recorder at home that celebrates the Beatles' arrival in America in 64, and it was on the telly in 2014, and I haven't watched it yet. It's been sitting on my hard drive <laughs> longer than the Beatles made all those records, you know? It's really mm. s- strange. Mm. Well, I'll go back under the stairs. I'm sorry for the intrusion. Yes. And I'll talk to you this time next year. You can get some more sunlight next year. But yes. See you then. Thanks again, Ado, for all your hard work and thank for you. everything you've done in uh, in uh, bringing, helping us bring this madness to the masses. Thank you, and thank you for telling me all about Paul McCartney. He's just such a, a genius. He's a great man. I suppose we, we, we'll better sign off for 2019. And uh, once again, we want to thank all of you for listening all around the world, wherever you are. And uh, we, we really... Are thankful for all the feedback. We are going to come back and we're going to jiggle up a couple of things. We have a couple of ideas for 2020. Yep. We want to talk about the anthology. We want to talk about Sergeant Pepper. We want to talk about Harry Nielsen. We, we've got a very rough list of, of where we're going to go. Um, but we're going to, you know, go home, listen to our Christmas records, take it easy for a bit, regroup, and you'll hear from us in a few weeks' time. Um, thanks again for listening. We'll still be online in the usual places at Beatles Pod, on the Facebook group, the Nothing Is Real Facebook group. Do a search, ask Stephen to let you in, and um, thank you for all your kind feedback and reviews. Um, leave them wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, and for 2019, uh, uh, I'm Jason Carty. I'm Stephen Cockcroft. And you've been listening to Season 1 of Nothing Is Real. We will see you very soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, 
why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.